Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody, to episode nine of the third intermission podcast. I am one fourth of the host, Darren Messam, off of injured reserve. You know, I missed the last couple of ones. Shout out to the squad for holding it down. So, with me as always, I got, you know, Captain Dave. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, what it is, what it is, what it is. I'm our right, right wing. I got Reese. Hey, the time, what's good? The, time what's line, the Twitter timeline terrorist. Hey, <laughs> I just want to say That's something rude. real quick. Hey, I mean, I'm going to let y'all, whatever y'all want to say about my reputation, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity, you know, but I will say this, Leafs are the one seed, just like we predicted. That's all I got for y'all. If I'm a terrorist, <laughs> so be it. One seed terrorist. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And then we got, and then we got our star player, Mr. Sticks, the Mayor of Scarborough. All going, brother. This guy said star player. Hey. Please, please don't boost. Superstar. Please don't do that. Yo, yo, yo. The real question we need to ask is like, yo, are you coordinating with the general of Scarborough, Mr. Wayne Wanda, right now? Hey. Yo, that yeah. man is doing the thing, fam. A, this man had, man had three goals in three state games, dog. Are you dumb? Wayne <laughs> He dumb. <laughs> oh, see, see, see what happens. It's it's no coincidence that the Leafs are our one seed and we have a, a Scarborough man on the team. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, bro. You you plug you plug Scarborough to anything, it's gonna bless him. Like, well, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, listen, listen. Speaking of Wayne Wonder, there's definitely no holding back from Wayne Simmons, man. Okay. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, so back to the manners at hand. We're just trying to get, we're just trying to, you know, as we always do, bring bring hockey to the masses, especially to our, to our you know, our black audience. But, you know, hockey's for everybody. Um, just, you guys want to update everybody on the socials, your socials, whatever? Yo, you can always just bless me with some tweets at uh, Dave's Barnett. Uh, of course, I've been out here from time. Uh, I haven't been out here that much from time, but, like, yo, Homeboy, homeboy, still needs a little love, a love and appreciation out here. So, uh... um, you absolutely don't need to follow me. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've, got, we've got enough followers already. I'm sure. You I mean, I'm honestly, I'm good. In line. I have, I have enough tweets for pretty much, I don't know, a whole lifetime. So, cause okay. I got, a, I got a million of them. So mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, no, nah, just like, you know. Horrible. Just tweet. make sure. Just got a book for everything. Listen, just right? make sure. Just make sure that you guys watch a little late night with Louis Singh on NBC. Mm-hmm. Weeknights at one thirty-five a.m., twelve thirty-seven a.m. If you're in Canada, you already know what it is. Mans are editing on that. Sticks edits. You already know what it my is. My man on TV. That, that's my. That's <laughs> that's my. That's my promo. Thank you so much. Big up to the Scarborough connection again, Reese. What's up, man? Uh. The Twitter is still active, Reese Zoe one on one. We still there, surprisingly. Uh, Instagram Reese Money ninety four. Uh, I play around, you know, game day on the, the main feed third intto. So you can catch me wherever. You can catch me uh, jeffing it with these three and everybody. You know, I'm a pretty social guy on the social media. So and I, I reined it in a little bit. I'm a, I'm a nice guy now. I'm respectable. You can no 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 no. We heard something different, man. Uh-oh. No, listen, 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 Reese. <laughs> we wanna we wanna we want you to unleash it. We want you to be your best Reese on the yo. timeline. Yo in the on the hockey ring. Be careful what you wish for. Wherever, be careful. anywhere. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, I, I'm in Everybody a good mood now. We're one seat. I'm in a good mood. Things can change. <laughs> But, you know, Wayne Simmons, Scarborough man's been holding it down. You know, he's got everybody in line. So I got I got uh, nothing to worry about. So I mean, I mean, if you're Matthew Kachuk, then, like, you're catching the defaults on a regular basis. See, like, if, <laughs> if you thought I couldn't reel it in and I couldn't, you know, stay poised, that, that kid is – that's a tantrum – that's a – what's it called? Temper tantrum child? Yeah. Tantrum child? Is that the saying? That's what he is. Him and his brother. His brother Brady was going off, too. We'll get into all of that. Just make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at third, the number three R-D-I-N-T-O on Twitter <laughs> and on Instagram. Make sure you guys hit us up. We live tweeting uh, marquee games for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, just hit us up. DM us, whatever. Talk trash, all of that. We, we welcome it. We welcome it. And... One thing we welcome is a good gift. Any gift you can send us to us, maybe it's related, hockey-related, all of that stuff. Also, I wanted to bring up, uh, we still got our $50 giveaway to Adidas. I think Dave got some more details about that. Uh, really and truly, man, uh, I'm actually excited to do this. Uh, so how things would work out is this. Uh, when we hit 100 followers on Twitter, I figured, you know what, it was time to drop a little bombshell on y'all. So... Uh, every time we hit a milestone on Twitter, uh, we are going to be giving out. Uh, we are going to be giving out something, but um, that's not the only thing we're going to be doing from this point forward. Um, I'll talk about that a, a little bit in a little bit shortly. With this fifty dollars gift card, we're actually going to draw a name for for this prize, and it will be shouted out at the end of the show. So make sure you're paying attention. Make sure that you're listening and everything, and don't just skip all the way to the end of the episode because we may drop the name at some point during uh, some point during the episode. You never Not know. Surprising, right? Yeah, it but could be you. It, it legit could be you. It could be, you know, it could be Faisal Kamal for for all we know. It could be could be a hey, Kimo. Shout out Faisal, bro. That's a great suit. Yeah, Last game. for real. Great for suit. Real. <laughs> Yo, it could be anybody, man. Man, it could even be me. Like, I'll give the gift card to myself. But <laughs> hey, treat real, yourself. <laughs> real talk. Um, real talk. Make sure you listen to the whole episode. So, so we got y'all. Um, in regards to something else, uh, we're gonna pose a little challenge to y'all. If you can help us get to 100 subscribers on, say, Spotify. 100 subscribe or 100 listeners on SoundCloud or say 100 listeners on Apple Podcasts and we will keep our eye out for that. We might have something for y'all down the road. So just keep just keep pushing out the podcast, tell your friend them, tell your man them, tell your gal them, tell your damn parents, tell the people you hate, tell the people you love like yo, we're out here and we're staying. All right? <laughs> You're really gonna encourage people to tell people that they hate to listen to our podcast. <laughs> Come on, fam. Entertain <laughs> the Mexican. They, they, they're choosing violence tonight. A lie, just like yo, I don't like you. Like yo, I don't like you at all. Like I don't fuck with you. But this podcast slaps, fam. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't rate you, but I rate these guys. You rate them. You know what I'm saying? It's like yo, but like these guys are one of those guys you hate still. <laughs> <laughs> We're not encouraging hate on this share platform. Think no, never funny. spread love. We spread love over here. You know what I mean? It's a right. <laughs> as, mm. of, as, as, so as of this recording, today is uh, January 31st, which means tomorrow is February 1st, 
which also means it is a Black History Month. Now we all know what that means. <laughs> now we all know what that means. We all, you know, everybody likes to, you know, show out for Black History Month, but you know, here we believe, and I think the other three uh, can agree with me that Black History is just history, and it should be celebrated 365, 366 on a leap year, um, and it's important. You know what I mean? And Black History isn't the end all be all as it pertains to telling the stories of Black people. Uh, across the board, <clears throat> we deserve to be celebrated for our contributions to the world on a daily basis and be in the same breath of those whom we've had to read upon, watch, and hear from the entirety of our lives. Black history in hockey doesn't start and stop with Willie O'Ree and Herb Carnegie. There are names that many Black hockey fans know that are passed by the wayside or not nearly revered enough for their contributions to the game and the ground that they've laid for future generations of players. So we, at 30 Intermission Podcast, through a series of episodes, we want to highlight some of these names, faces, to either introduce or unearth, unearth these names for the deepest parts of your memory to show love and appreciation, and not to have them stuck in the month of February, when it's so conveniently easy to do so. Black history cannot be stuck into 28 days, nor should it, nor should it be. So I hope everybody enjoys the story. And, you know, for everybody you already knows about uh, some of the players that have broke the color barrier um, in other sports. We all know about Jackie Robinson, obviously broke baseball's color barrier. Jesse Owens, who uh, who was able to win uh, gold medals in the, in the face of uh, Aryan, you know, supremacy uh, that mm-hmm. was thought of by, by Adolf Hitler. Or Errol Lloyd, who broke the color barrier in the National Basketball Association. And as I mentioned, Willie O'Ree, who broke the color barrier in the NHL, ironically, with the Boston Bruins. And then, you know, being that this is a, a Leaf-centric podcast, we, we got to talk about Val James, who broke in as the first Black Maple Leafs player in the 80s. Um, since then, they've had Jamal Mayers and uh, now Wayne Timmons play, playing for the league. Sorry, playing for the team now. But one uh, player that we... Go I was going to say, I like... I should have mentioned this to you guys earlier, but um, a lot of people have told me this in the past, but actually Grant Fear, even though Grant Fear was like, like I never really realized he was black until maybe like high school, but he was yeah. actually the first black Leaf school tender on the team. Yeah, I forgot about Grant Fear. Even though Grant Fear was actually more prominently known as a member of the Stanley Cup dynasty with the Oilers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the Edmonton Oilers, but... <laughs> Nevertheless, they were a dynasty in the 80s winning, what, four cups, or was it? Or four or five cups. And uh, he ended up playing for the Leafs for, for a short period in the early 90s. So shout out to him as well. When I got Wayne Simmons, but one one player that comes to mind, first player, I first heard of this man in uh, 1996 uh, when he was still in junior. And I first heard of him playing for the World Junior Championships. Um, his name is Jerome Aguinla. Coming from Edmonton, Alberta, ironically, uh, star player, one of the best players of all time. Not just black players, just one of the best players. Period. Uh, you know, he's a winner of Memorial Cup, two Memorial Cup winning teams with the Kamloops Blazers, and then he was selected by Dallas in the entry draft in 1995, but was traded to Calgary prior to making his NHL debut. Uh, Jerome McGinley, I think, is a name that everybody knows. You know what I mean? He's 
He's won a gold medals. He's won juniors. He's won World Cups. He's won, uh, you know, World Hockey Championships. Uh, not to mention a bunch of uh, personal accolades. Rocket Richard trophies, Mark Messi Leadership Awards, Art Ross trophies, King Clancy Lesser B. Pearson Awards. And he was elected to the Hall of Fame recently. Um, Reese, I want you to talk about, like, some of the some of the impact that Jerome McGinley had on you personally as a hockey fan. Well, as a kid, everyone can remember Jerome McGinley being the first black hockey player on a hockey cover, right? NHL 2003 coming off of, I believe that was the year that he won a Rocket Richard, won like the Art Ross, kind of snubbed on one of the MVP uh, awards. He won, I believe, the Lester, but didn't win the Hart. They gave it to Jose Theodore that year. But yeah, just when you thought this is a hockey player that could be skilled he could score goals. He could be the face of a franchise, could put the team on his back. I love Matt Sundin. I love a lot of those guys of the Lindros as the Mario Lemieux was Jerome McGinley leading, a, you know, a no name young Calgary team for all those early mid 2000s when he got traded in what's, you know, known as one of the best trades of all time. One of the most even deals, Dallas trading Jerome McGinley for, I think, was it Joe Neuendyke? Um I believe that was the deal in 1999, their top prospect uh, for a player to help them get over the hump to win the Stanley Cup. I'll double check my notes here as uh, you guys kind of take the reins. But yeah, when it came to being just a uber, just talented, skilled, clutch, everything you wanted in a winger could fight, could hit, could score, play make for for others. Um, it just everyone wanted to be Jerome McGinley when you were playing road hockey or playing ball hockey in, in in your gym class when you were younger and just especially being a black man that loves the sport now and maybe having children one day I know when I was a child the first person that I could think of as one of my hockey heroes was Jerome McGinley and just the impact he had on me and just made the game feel real and accepting for me even if it's not that because he's there you know I can play hockey if I want to I can watch hockey I can collect hockey cards if I want to, and I could be in the conversation. So uh, what a special guy. And just even we're Leaf fans here. Everyone remembers that 2004 Stanley Cup run. We were all Calgary yep. Flame fans. Well, we were all rooting for Jerome McGinley to get his first. And unfortunately, he didn't get the chance to, but he was a captain of a team in the Stanley Cup finals. And it was just, it was so surreal. And it almost felt like I was on the team. So that's yeah, just. You know, you know how it goes in black households. Like, yeah, even though we're all Leaf fans, we always cheat. Like, you know, when it's the Olympics and they only have, like, one black runner and, like, black officers are like, yeah, we're cheering for the black person. We're cheering for the black person. Absolutely. Like, Dr- yeah, so Dr- Dr- McGillan was definitely that guy. <laughs> Even though he never played for the Leafs, he was definitely the guy that we all rooted for just because, you know, of his background. He's, he's a Nigerian father and I think a, a Canadian mother. But just the fact that he was a black face on the ice and not just on the ice, he was, he was dominating for a lot of years. And, uh, and part of you know, very important teams, as you mentioned, the 2004 Stanley Cup winning team, but also the 2002 Winter Olympic team that uh, first that gave Canada its first Olympic gold medal in 50 years, and he was a part of that team. So it made you root for Team Canada even more, right? Just yeah, exactly. Wow, Jerome exactly. McGinley's on the team, like, like, and Canada hasn't won it in 50 years. If there's any year to win it, it's got to be now. So just sure. very lucky for that, and then. Uh, to fast forward to 2010, he makes arguably the greatest assist in Canadian hockey history to Crosby yep. to win the Stanley Cup. So 
What a guy. The, the Olympic gold medal. Yep, uh, versus the United States in overtime in 2010. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah in, the, in the Vancouver Olympics. No, no, you're right. I even forgot about that. But, um, yeah, no, he's a six-time also. That guy was a beast, man. And as you said, trace of a franchise for for all those years, man. Jerome Ginla, his, his impact on the game, his impact in Calgary. They said he, he leads. Uh, what is he, he has the most points in, in Calgary Flames history? Um, you know, he's, you know, I have it here in my notes like he's the black, biggest black, sorry, biggest name in black Canadian hockey history. But, you know, he's got to be up there for just the biggest name, period. You know what I mean? And for all the things that he was able to accomplish, like what, what are some of your, your favorite memories of him, Dave? Favorite memories for me would literally be. It would literally be like the 2004 Stanley Cup run as a whole because uh, his, his gameplay and the fact that he could give man's bare death eyes within like two minutes, it was downright beautiful. Uh, of course, like you could see, like you could arguably say that he was like one of the best, one of the best dudes on the ice and not just because he could throw a right hand or throw a left hand. The man could score and the man could back it up the same way. Um some of the biggest moments that stick out to me for for him would definitely be uh, game five, game five against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final when he had what many ha- many hockey fans dub the shift, where Aginla would basically put his team on his back in overtime, uh, set up a set up a really nice goal by Oleg Saprikin to basically give the Flames a three two lead in the Stanley Cup final. Um, homeboy did it without a helmet and. Man was like literally just cycling the puck through and trying to fight off as many like lightning defenders as he could to try and like just create a create a nice scoring play, and like at that moment you knew like Aginla was basically the guy for the franchise, and I knew straight up right away that this was a guy who I would definitely love to, like love to have as my hero because of course black hockey black hockey players don't really like don't really become a household name. And I feel as if that particular moment is that it like in that particular moment, Jerome was basically the guy, basically that household name, not only for just black people, but also for just regular hockey fans in general. And you can definitely have a debate with uh, say some with anybody in regards to that. Um, yeah, one, one other moment that, sorry, go ahead. Um, we were going to say, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So one of the other things that did stick out for me as well was like every time he always played, he always played us, uh, he always played the Leaf Dem. Uh, he would always kind of torch us and like literally start fights with like Wade Belak or uh, or like Ty Domi when like Ty Domi was still playing for the Leafs. And it's like some of those fights were actually just kind of hilarious because it was like you see like one of the t- you see like some of the tough guys on the team literally get dummied left, right, and center, and it's like, and it's like. Um, Geez, like I kind of wish Aginla was on our roster still. Like, be nice to have a, like an actual black dude on the team. But of course, growing up, you didn't know that there was a black dude on the team still. But um, you wish, man. That was that. Listen, man. I wish yeah. for it every day. You know, um, sorry, sorry. Finish. You know, yeah, you know, like um, honestly, I think those are some of the moments that stick out. But I think one other moment that really kind of hit home for me was. Um, and this is an actually underrated moment here. 
Um, if you remember the last game that Trevor Linden ever played in the NHL, of course, uh, Vancouver wasn't even going to the playoffs. And Calgary, I believe, was either either holding a playoff spot or was still in contention for a playoff spot. And, of course, Trevor Linden had to, like, Trevor Linden shook the hand of every single player on the Flames roster. And he whispered in again, Lazier, saying, like, you're the best player in the game. And this was, like, back in 2008. You know, that, that was a beautiful moment in itself because, like, you have one of the greatest in the game literally tell tell another player who, like, he admires and respects, like, you're one of the best players. Like, you're, you're like, one of the greatest players in the game right now. And, like, I feel like that that in itself is a huge moment in its own right. And just to follow up on that, just the one thing about Aguilna is is just our Jerome Aguilna, excuse me, is just the consummate pro, all class. I don't like the cliche term of playing the game the right way or doing thing the right way, but if that existed, there was no holes in Jerome Aguilna's game on the ice or how he conducted himself as a professional off the ice. Like just the perfect face of the game almost. And maybe it would have been nicer for the NHL and hockey Canada to really, you know, grill that in a little bit as him being the face of the game, because he was good enough. He was talented enough. The accolades were there and he was a big engine uh, along with Mika Kiprasov and leading a team, carrying a team to a Stanley cup final and almost winning. You can make an argument that puck crossed the line in game six and overtime, they should have won the cup. And, you know, it's unfortunate that they didn't, but, he you was know, just flat out, Calgary should have won that. Uh, should have won. Yeah, that he's just yeah, and even you know disregarding that, he was the perfect hockey pro. Now, my favorite Jerome McGinley moment outside of the skill moments, the hockey plays he made, was his fight with Vinny Lecavier in the play in the in the finals. And I was just thinking, wow, two superstars, two I faces of the game. About that. I was yeah, just about that. Yeah. each other, hands whatever it takes. Yeah, doing and they were throwing haymakers, doing whatever they had to do to rally the troops because that was as tight and as exciting a seven-game series as you can think of. Game seven was a one-goal game. The the overtimes, like just the incredible saves and goaltending from Hobby Bulin and Kiprasov, and it's just it always felt like an unsung hero came and scored every night. You had you know you had a uh, Vinny Lecavier, Marty St. Louis carrying them. You had Craig Conroy, Gilna carrying them. But then it was just an unsung hero. What one game a night that just made his moment in the hockey history books. And so it was just such a fun series and just who else to, you know, what two heads better to, you know, kind of be the face of all of that. Thinking back, what is it? 16 years later than Vinny LeCavier, a hockey hall of famer, Jerome McGinley, first ballot hockey hall of famer. It's just, that's just, it's wonderful. And it's why we like the game. It's why we do shit like this. You know, why we talk about it on a Sunday night. I might have to re I might have to rewatch that 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 finals, you know, because I forgot how epic it actually was. From yeah, that whole Calgary one run was nuts. The Vancouver yeah. series, I believe there was a fun Red Wing series or Anaheim series. I, I don't remember which one of the two. Yeah, it was Detroit, man. Because like you know yeah. that goal, that goal by Jelena uh, in like Game Six in overtime was like yeah, an absolute beauty. And like, and, dog, if yep. you were in that arena alone, like you would basically you basically lost your hearing for like two yep. days. Yep, and they, come on, and it's the battle. It's the battle of one of the battles of uh the Western Hockey, you know, Western Canada, right over there. And then you know, Vancouver was one of the Cup favorites, and mm-hmm. and all their all the shit that they were getting was was their goaltending going to hold up? 
uh, I can't forget the sieve that they had in net, but that was a complete team. And in his own right, Marcus Naslin was an un unbelievable winger in his own right too. So those were stacked teams, dirty ass Todd Bertuzzi. Uh, th that was, <laughs> that was a fun core. So. Yo, you talk about men that need a death pass. That guy definitely needs one. Man. You need to get Oh, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, uh, for me, for, for Jerome McGinley, I'm going to go like a little, a little off brand here, but, um, so we all, we all know about his accomplishments on the ice, but I can remember that back in the day, everybody used to watch BET, right? And BET used to host a show called Mad Sports. Uh, one of the episodes actually Fantastic. featured, ag yeah, actually featured Jerome McGinley. And, you know, they talk about a lot of the things like their training regimen and how they got into the sport and all of those things. And, and they also choose some of their favorite videos. And it turns out that, like, Jerome McGinley was actually a huge, at the time, uh, like everybody else, was a huge, like, Ja Rule fan, which <laughs> which is pretty on brand for the early 2000s. But it was just nice to see that, you know, off the ice, he was, he was pretty much a normal guy and he enjoyed, uh, you know, everything else. Like, so it was just nice to see him in, like, a casual setting, just talking about, you know, music and uh, life and outside of hockey and all those things. So that's probably my, my favorite moment with him off the ice. Mm -hmm. On the ice, I got to go with, with, with the Olympics, man. I just think that team was very stacked, but they also had a lot of pressure about them in 2002 um, just because they hadn't won in uh, in so long. And I remember the first game of that tournament didn't go as well as planned, and there was a lot of pressure, and they were able to come come across, come across come through and win that tournament. And Jerome McGillow was one of, the, one of the main reasons for that, especially in the last game. Um, yeah, that's the, those are the two favorite things that stand out to me with with Jerome McGillan. As as Reese said, man, when he when he plays street hockey and all of them things, like you always want to be like Jerome McGillan. Although we love the Leaf, but as I said, we cheer for the black guy. That was the guy that you always cheered for as a kid growing up in the nineties yeah. and the two thousand in the nineties and the two thousands. You know what I mean? Absolutely, for real. Um, another thing that that like I forgot to mention too is that this man had two straight. 50 goal seasons, which is crazy when you think about it, because, you know, after the 80s, uh, you know, the 80s was, was a wild time in hockey. You had games, like I was reading a tweet today that there was a game uh, that said 12-9. <laughs> like, yep. like, you had crazy scores like that, you know what I'm saying? Goldies were pretty much non-existent. So the fact that he was able to do that uh, 50, 50, uh, two straight 50 goal seasons back-to-back, in the 90s, or was it 2000s? I don't remember what, what years they were, but just in that era was, was pretty crazy. And, you know, that that goes to show, that's a testament to how, how great he really was and how and how much of a, a scoring threat he was game, game in, game out. That's crazy. The one blemish that he has is not winning a Stanley Cup, but he has everything else. Right. I believe he has World Junior Gold. He's made first team all NHL three times and all and second all NHL one time. He's got an all rookie team. He's got two Rockets, an Art Ross, <laughs> a Lester B, Olympic gold twice, and mm. has went to a seven game Stanley Cup final. So he's literally done everything except, and it's just that makes me sick to my stomach. I need him to get into coaching. <laughs> you guys. So if you guys have uh, any interest, I, obviously I know that I'm like a spectator in this conversation, but I watched um, uh, Secret Base has an untitled um, piece with him. 
Yes, I did. Uh, I did it, was, it was. It's very good. Actually, like you know, that's kind of like all the knowledge that I kind of soaked in because I always knew his name, but I didn't really know anything about him because obviously I didn't watch him. But um, I watched that. I'm like, damn, this guy was like really fucking good. I did not yeah. even realize how <laughs> good he was. And um, so that was like my introduction to him and his career and stuff. But yeah, it's it's a shame that he never got a chance to get a cup. Even like in his later years when he when he wanted to go to like you know chase a ring, and then it's just like ah, the wrong time, the right team, wrong oh, time, wrong time. Like, oh my god, it's it, it was I actually like really felt for him. So yeah, if, if there's anybody who wants to watch that piece on Secret Base, they make amazing content. The untitled. Um, a piece with Jerome McGinley is really, really good. All right, no, I'm yeah, going yeah. Back. Shout out to Secret Base, man. Their content is A1, you know what I mean? A1, okay? <laughs> stop, stop. As an editor, as an editor, they make great content. That is great storytelling using essentially all archive footage and, you know, just going through the depths of their research and, you know, having um, great personalities because, like, the way and how they execute, like, their tone or how they're reading off lines, a lot of them are from, I think they're based in New York. So mm-hmm. whenever they talk about, like, you know, the Jets or the Giants or the Knicks and they have that, like, really heartbroken but really dry humor or that sarcasm that really comes out because you can actually feel the pain that they're going through, it's actually really <laughs> hilarious. So, yeah, it's really good, especially the beef uh, episode with uh, Vince Carter and the Raptors. That was really good. I cannot wait for them to do um, a deep rewind on Kawhi's shot whenever that happens because I know it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, yes, that was please. great. Yeah, you know what? Please. I feel like they're gonna. I feel like they're gonna do a rewind, or they should do a rewind. As much as it hurts me to say that, uh, the Boston Bruins, uh, Maple Leafs. <sighs> Doc, I've been telling yeah, y'all from time, like, yo, we need, <sighs> yo, so we need to get some sage for that damn situation. I'm not kidding. Like, yeah, yeah. like, yo, I don't it, think like, one. I don't. I've always hated Boston sports and sports teams, but I don't think. Uh, any single moment made me hate Boston or Boston-related things more than that. that That's true. That, that, third, that fucking third period, you know what I mean? Like, like, I, not, not even, like, the entire third period. It was literally, like, like 10 minutes left in that game. 10 minutes left ah. in regulation. That fucking had me angry. Like, <laughs> yo. Like, yo, like, I don't, yeah. like, I'm trying not to cuss, but, like, that Boston series alone has me cussing right now. Like yeah, and like yeah. I I don't get me wrong. Boston's got some Boston's got some nice places to eat, but then again, may not may not fuck with uh, seafood. I'm actually allergic to that. But getting back on topic, <laughs> like there's some spots yeah, in Boston. Boston. I would, I, there's some spots yeah. in Boston I would mess with, but when it comes to the teams, I would literally I would literally burn a Bruins jersey and get into a fight with a bunch of white dudes <laughs> rather than like wear a Bruins jersey or a Celtics jersey or a Red Sox jersey. Or even a blood clot Patriots jersey. One um, other Sir, sir, sir. The way the way that you choose violence. <laughs> sir, this is a Walmart. Um, Darren, beg you, Darren, beg you, please, beg you, please. Grandson for the therapist. Don't have a microphone, and we will have an impromptu session. Right now, because there's a lot of unpacking here. So you're not about to burn a Boston Bruins jersey in front of white people and survive that, sir. No, no, no. Are you trying? Are you trying to become Rodney King here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. Please. laughs> Yo, that was dark. 
That was dark and like, yo, we're all dark, man. Like, yo, that's not even cool. Wait a no, second. Did you just make a black joke? Did you call me dark, sir? I think did. Oh my god. I know I am, but Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of the Boston Bruins, that's actually one of the teams that uh, Jerome McGinley, uh, as we mentioned earlier, he, he, he was trying to, he, listen, he did what everybody else tried to do. They wanted to win a cup. And he went, he went ring chasing for a little while, and he made stops uh, with Pittsburgh, and then he went to the Bruins, and then he ended up he went to Colorado, and then he ended off his career with the Los Angeles Kings. But he had a pretty good season that one year that he was in Boston, thirty goals, thirty one assists, for sixty one points uh, in how many games? Seventy eight games played. So I mean, he still had it, but you know, the Boston Bruins just couldn't get it done. I really feel like he's one of those players who who should like who definitely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame even though he didn't um he didn't have his hand Oh, oh he, yeah, he's getting inducted. He got inducted in 2020, but Yeah, the first yeah. ballot. Yeah, first ballot. Which, is, which is beautiful too because like, you know what? Like you don't hear too many black names literally going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah. Like I mean, we'll definitely talk about this this lovely woman, uh Angela James, uh in a later episode. And we're also going to talk about Dirk Graham. Of course, a lot of people don't know this very well. Uh, Dirk Graham is actually the first captain, the first black captain in the NHL. However, everyone was dubbing Aginla as the first black captain in hockey history. So that's kind of that's kind of something that should should kind of be debunked, especially. Well, we gotta, we gotta, yeah, but we, yeah, I mean, we got we got to fact check that. I make sure that is true. Yeah. I, I, either way, whatever, whatever it is, uh, yeah. whatever the right answer. There's no wrong answer here, but yeah, I just know that uh, the fact that Jerome McGinley was able to make it to the Hall of Fame, you know, like it's great. Like we we love and respect like Willie O'Ree and those guys and mm-hmm. for what they did for the game, but the fact that Jerome McGinley was able to make it to the Hall of Fame just off what he was able to accomplish on the ice. It speaks volumes to his skill, and I hope that there are a lot of players. Like, he inspired me. Obviously, I don't play the game um, on that level, and I can never be that good. But I hope he inspired a lot of younger players uh, to to take up hockey and and to play the game. Darren, you can do anything you put your mind to. Brother, man, I want my number. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? You know what, sir? You can do that. In a video game. You can do that in a video game. You can do anything you put your mind to in a video game. Yo, make sure you beat Reese first. I've been creating myself in video games since NHL 96, and I've been leading the league in scoring, baby. Look at you. Look at you. Hall of Famer. Breaking Wayne Gretzky's records every year. (laughs) See, you can do anything you put your mind to. Virtually, so it's fine. Or anything I I plug the controller into. I mean, there's that as well. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. I said, man, uh, even though he kind of ended off. You see, one thing, one of the worst things I think about uh, watching your favorite athletes Mm -hmm. is kind of like them not knowing when to stop. And I don't want to say that Jerome McGinley was one of those guys per se, but those last two seasons, one with Colorado, one with Los Angeles, were kind of forgettable. And you can kind of tell that he was, you know, running out of running out of steam. 
he spent half the season with Colorado and then finished it off with, with LA. And he ended up playing 81 games, but, you know, he didn't, uh, yeah, it didn't really work out for him. But we still love him. And, you know, he is the, he is the pride of, of, of the Calgary Flames and the pride of, of Edmonton and all those things. And you know what? We gotta give we gotta give all we gotta give him his flowers in this situation. Uh, I personally, I hope he gets behind the bench and I guess spreads his knowledge of not only how to uh, not only knowing how to play the game, but how to play the game well. Uh, I hope that attributes to like say a good coaching career or even an assistant coaching career. And you know, the sky's the limit for him. Like he he's he's probably just chilling chilling right now when it comes to retirement. Homeboy's probably bumping some jaw rule right now, as he probably this should be. To, I'm, I'm sorry, bumping jaw rule in the year of our Lord 2021 on purpose. Yo, why would he do that? Yo, bear people do what they want. All right, like yo, if I'm gonna of all here, people, hold on, of all people to pull out of the top of your hat. You went with Jaro. That's a wild, wild card. <laughs> okay, fine. But, like, yo, I mean, if the man's bumping TI, then let him bump TI. Of He's all the people! Jesus Christ! Jesus Do you read the economy? Read the society, sir. <laughs> read the room, Fondo. Read the room, brother. Oh, my read God. The room, brother. <laughs> Dog, all I'm saying is this. If no, don't have- don't say anything. Don't say anything to her. Don't say anything. That's what we're saying. Don't say anything. Here's what I here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. As much as there is a need for like, you know, black bench bosses, um, you know, in hockey, I think having ambassadors to the game in communities, especially black communities, I think that Jerome can be a conduit for that. I know that Val James has had like, you know, appearances and whatnot in helping, you know, boost visibility of uh, of black players in communities that hockey is not really prevalent. I think Jerome McGinley can usher in a new wave of, you know, uh, of mentorship within the black community, like, you know, with, with kids who want to get into hockey and whatnot. I think that's how you really impact the most change. Yes. Putting a black putting a black uh player who use, who's a Hall of Fame player or whatnot and making him a coach, that's amazing. However, that continues to speak to the fact that the black people have to be the absolute best of the absolute best in order to get the same opportunities that white people get for doing the bare fucking minimum. Just because they know the right people. You know what no, I'm saying? No, no. So I, think- I, I, I feel that. I feel that completely. And like I, I actually wholeheartedly agree with you. Like, yo, I, I will say this with my whole chest right now. Like, yeah, the like black people should be the best of the best at what they do. Like, obviously, that's what we do. But at the same time. Yeah, but it's always what the thing is, is like it's looked at as a prerequisite for us to get the same positions that basically they don't pay us more. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not like Jerome's going to be a head coach. and He's going to be the highest paid coach. He's probably going to be like, you know, the 13th highest paid coach. Even though his record as a player, his accomplishments as a player speak to his um, 
uh, his justifiable reasoning for his promotion into being a coach because he has that knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that, like, you know, it shouldn't have to be that you have to do X, Y, Z. Example, to our friends in the South, obviously, Reese, you can speak to this as well. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama, I, I, regardless of how you feel about him within his position as a president, all politicians have their shit. They're all, they all ain't shit, period. Doesn't matter Absolutely. what country they're from. They all ain't shit. But when you look at the accomplishments, the resume in which Barack Obama had had in order for him to be president, and then you go to like a Donald Trump or a George W. Bush or H. W. Bush or Clinton, you know what I'm saying? Not as accomplished, but Obama had to do so much to be the best of the best of the best, cream of the crop, clean, don't know mm-hmm. shit. If he had scandals. He would not right. be afforded the same scandals that a Bill Clinton or a Nixon or yeah. a, as recently as a Trump. No. And even then, we made up scandals about him. We said he wasn't born in the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. We came yeah. at Reverend Jeremiah Wright, who had radical beliefs, and whether you think they're radical or not. Um, and he yeah, had. That nigga was just black. This is, yeah, that's not yeah, black pastor. black pastor. We know a lot of them. Yeah, so it's just unfortunate, but like. The standards are different when you're black. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Just like the standards shouldn't have to be so high. Yes, we always want to tell our kids, like, you know, aim, you know, aim for the moon, shoot for the stars. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just like it doesn't always have to amount to that amount of pressure. Yes, you want them to be the absolute best. But when you look at the counterparts and see that, they're basically getting insane amount of opportunity for doing less than. We're not saying promote less than. We're just saying have it more frequent. You have to change the, the, the tide of how you evaluate the talent. And I feel like you have more of an impact when you affect it on a grassroots level within the community. You know what I'm saying? So you go to you know these grade school kids or high school, whatever, who are like really into it. That's how you make an impact so that they don't regress and feel like uh, they don't want to really get into it. They get dissuaded. Um, they're, they're not as persistent about getting into hockey because, you know, the higher you go up, the less that you see. You know what I'm saying? And I think that Jerome is a great, um, you know, ambassador for Black people to get into the game. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like I think that that would be something that is more suitable and more concrete to help grow the game of hockey, mm-hmm. to make it more diverse the way that the NHL wants it to be. And so then you have other black players who are either playing or ha- or haven't played already, like a Wayne Simmons, you know what I'm saying? Like what he can do, you know, like, you know, ima- look, look, just even looking at Wayne Simmons, the fact that you have a man from Scarborough, Mm-hmm. Who's on the team in the home in the hometown team? Weird. And you have a whole bunch of black uh, black people are watching this game. Black people are investing themselves and in watching the Maple Leafs because of him, him. And there is going to be a trickle down effect. Now imagine if the pandemic isn't a thing, and the Leafs are playing at home, fans are allowed the games. You don't think. That as black people, they wouldn't find a way to get themselves to a game to watch Wayne Simmons. Listen, Definitely I know us. I, I, 
Is that I know least I know least tickets are hella expensive, whatever. But I also know black people, and I also know that we'll figure it out. You know we what I'm saying? Do. We always do. And and yeah. that's and that and that's the concrete impact that we're talking about. And that's the stuff that's really going to affect change. P- mm-hmm. People are going to see. Wait, kids are going to see Wayne Simmons. Going to be like, wait, there's a black guy who plays on the on the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's cool. Maybe th- then that I can root for the Maple Leafs and I can talk about hockey and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's a trickle down effect. It's something that is like more widespread. Listen, the, there was a there was a a, a moment when. Uh, you know, the Raptors, and it was Vince Carter, and we all looked at Vince Carter. And Vince Carter changed the way that, you know, Canada as a whole partic- participated in basketball. I'm not saying that Wayne Simmons is going to have that same effect, but Wayne Simmons is going to have an effect, period, in terms of black kids in this city. Bingo. Because of the fact that they see Wayne Simmons on the home team and be like, wait a second, this guy is from my town. Regardless if you live in North York, downtown, West End, East End, he's from my city and he plays on the team here. I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Because now I have someone I can look into and feel comfortable pursuing a life in hockey that wasn't for me at any time to begin with. And it's people like Jerome who helped initiate that and to be an ambassador, whether he like, you know, it it was direct or indirect he is an ambassador to the game because it inspired guys like wayne like joshua saying like you know like you know anson carter before them like there are names and then that's just going to trickle down and then when you have a guy like wayne playing for the home team it's very important in an era of social media youtube tiktok all this other shit making fan cams whatever that's just going to spread more people mm-hmm. more black people are going to be invested and then next thing you know it's really t- t- the Toronto Maple Police are really going to be the, uh, the fan base are going to be a reflection of the city itself, which is exactly what I said to Brandon Shanahan. It is motherfucking meeting on the 15th floor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> Yo, let me pose this question to you, Jordan. And obviously you bring up a very strong, passionate and a very like a very motivate, a very motivating point here. Um, since you were stating that like, Okay, Jerome should be an ambassador to the game. Where do you think he should start? Do you think he should start in his home province of Alberta? Do you feel that he should start, say, out east in like Nova Scotia, where the where the black population is massive out in the Maritimes? Uh, do you feel that staying in the prairies would also be a good idea? Do you also feel well, like well, actually, I can I can answer that for you guys. He's actually already started. So since retirement, he's been living in the Boston area. And he's actually uh, helping to coach out his children um, as they begin their hockey journey. So his two teenage, uh, I think, I think he has he has three children, two boys and one and uh, one daughter. And he's coaching with the Boston Junior Eagles, and he's helping out with those teams. So he's already started, I guess, his his coaching career, quote unquote. So we'll see if it goes from there. But it's good to see that he's still. Um, He's still, you know, involved in hockey at some capacity, but he's also doing it in Boston, which we all know what Boston is, even though we all we all hate it. But it's not the most uh, favorable city for, for 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 black people, especially for a city that's in the northern United States. So it's good to know that he's he's uh, he's uh, still involved in the game. 
And the thing is, it's like I'm not even saying like he should, like he has to be whatever. It would that's that's just something from from my vantage point. I feel like would be better than being a coach on the NHL rank because that is not directly affecting the community itself. Like you know, being a face within community. One of the things that really uh, generates you know uh, building a fan base and you know. Um, growing you know your popularity is just like okay how visible are you in all communities listen there are basketball nets were pretty much primarily in you like you know black and brown neighborhoods low-income neighborhoods or or in like schools after 20 after 2014 and whatnot, and obviously, like, you know, if you watch the Carter Effect, or if you watch anything like, you know, an open gym or whatever, like, you know, they always talk about it, like, yeah, they're, after like, you know, 2000, Vince Carter, basketball nets all over the city. But in some places that it still wasn't that. 2014, 15, 16, like, you know, We the North Air or whatnot, it wasn't until the playoff run, the infamous playoff run 2019. That's when I I really like okay I'm seeing this shit everywhere, like you're seeing basketball nets everywhere you're seeing Raptors shit everywhere, and that's the effect of being a pre- one winning winning dictates a lot of things. So if the so if the Leafs really if the Leafs capitalize off like you know this refragmented season run through the north. Have a great, you know, playoff run. They actually go deep out in the first round. You know what I'm saying? Then that's just gonna boost popularity as well. Especially when you have a black player on the team, because more people are gonna be invested in it. More, like, more eyeballs. And then what? After, like, you know, I mean, it's funny because, like, you know, hockey and hockey, hockey is going to go longer than basketball for the first time uh, in a minute, just because, like, you know, of the of the start difference, but. Or unless because of the shortened season, they're going to end around the same time. But who knows? Mm-hmm. But because you're going to get more of those eyeballs and more black people are going to be invested in it, especially if they continue to like you know build off this momentum of their hot start. I know not a lot of people are as like you know really emotionally tied to it because you know at the end of the day they're still Leafs fans, and that's still 53 years of misery that you know you know ha- is hanging in the shadow. But it does feel like there's a turn. You get more success, you get more eyeballs, and then, you know, you start to see kids, like, really get themselves more invested in it. That is how you are able to make an impact in communities that, you know, have always felt, like, really ignored. Because then, if you get the brand, if you get the organization to go out into these communities have a workshop or two. Go to McGregor Park Community Center at, at Kennedy and, and Lawrence. Go there, have a little workshop, meet a player or two. Could you imagine if, you know, after COVID like kind of dies down, they send out Wayne Timmons like, hey, Wayne, you're going to hit these spots in different communities. You're going to hit Rexdale. You're going to hit Esplanade. You're going to hit um, the Regent. You're going to hit different parts of Scarborough. You're like, you know, your hometown whatnot. Imagine now he goes to all these spots. All these black kids are there. He gets to talk to him, and I know he, that he already does work in Scarborough, any, anyways, and like you know, Port Union, that kind of shit. But imagine getting more of that be- as a leaf. He was doing all that shit when he was like you know with the Flyers with the and 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 the Sabers. But as a leaf, 
doing yeah, all of know, that. My barber has a picture, autograph picture of Wayne Simmons. The man's been in the end for a long time, bro. That's you know crazy. what I'm saying? And, and it's just like more of that and more of like a presence because when he was in Philadelphia, we didn't give a fuck about him. No one really <laughs> knew like who he was or anything like that because one, we're not watching Philadelphia Flyers games unless the Flyers are playing the Leafs. That's just what it is. But the man is on the Leafs for at least a year. That's 50 whatever guaranteed games that you get to watch him on the Leafs. And you know, he scores like, you know, one of the first big games of the season, the man punches out uh, a man in the, in the Montreal Canadiens, the most hated rival. So just like you, he already has that part established. But because of the fact that he's more visible in a much bigger market where he can't be ignored, that's only going to help, like, you know, you know, more black kids, like, you know, you know, really get themselves involved. And also in a pandemic, everybody's just watching everything anyways from home. So that's where you see most of the investment. That's why you have people looking forward to actually watching Leafs games that have never watched Leafs games before, and that's a beautiful thing. And I think as that continues and as the fan base grows, you're only going to get more support from the black community, especially because you have one of ours playing for, you know, you know, uh, for the home team. And that's really where you see where, you know, being an ambassador – that Jerome could be like, you know, who, imagine if he does go to like, you know, his hometown and wants to talk to black kids over there or, or anything like that. But it's just the fact that he doesn't even have to do all that because of the trickle down effect of black players, you know, in the league. Maybe PK wants to do more stuff, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, and, and maybe him and Wayne do something together and they're like, you know, one conquers Rexdale, one conquers Scarborough. That's crazy. That's beautiful. But I mm-hmm. think that, like, you know, just the significance of their presence in the NHL, but even more so, more significant because Wayne Simmons is playing for the Leafs and he's from here. It Listen, I said, I and I tweeted this back, like, years ago. I'm just like, listen, if the Leafs were to get, like, P.K. Subban on bruh, the Leafs, bruh. it would have been a wrap. All the man that would have been like, yo, I'm a Leafs fan. Doesn't even matter what it is, bro. I don't give a fuck about hockey. Mans are on skates. Mans are fighting. Boom, 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 boom. Mans would have loved it. But it's the fact that a Rexdale man on the Leafs, that's crazy. But they got a Scarborough Scarborough man in a a shortened pandemic year, and he's doing well. The team's doing well. So this is just going to go off from here as long as the momentum is carried. And we're going to see a significant, like, you know, kind of increase it for probably like you know years to come, and that's how it all starts. And I think, and I guarantee those two guys would would definitely tell you that Jerome Aguila directed directly, uh, directly directed, ah, directly inspired them. Sorry, sometimes yeah. directly inspired them to even play hockey, and uh, you know, bring them in the prominent positions that they are now, especially PK Subban. So, mm-hmm. you know. Everything that you said was right, and I totally agree with them. And uh, the Maple Leafs have a real chance. Um, you know, they're definitely a Stanley Cup contender, at least on paper. They're playing like it so far. But they also have a chance to, to, to grab the attention of the city, um, not just the hockey community, but the black community as well. So if they can mm-hmm. capitalize on that. And, and you know, the Raptors are struggling a little bit, so they can get some of the, uh, some of the, the press back um, from those guys too. So. Hopefully they can capitalize on that with Wayne Simmons 
uh, being their anchor. Yo, for real, I would like to say this first and foremost. Um, I really wish at the same time because it's like, like as a Leafs fan and as a Raptors fan, and I, I mean by like by die by by that I mean like diehard te- uh, diehard fan of both teams. Like, it's really hard to see one of your teams fail and then another team succeed. And then oh, the Ra- oh, the Raptors ain't failing. They're just they're just, they're just no, no, no. I know. I know, I get it. I'm just, yeah, they they struggle in a little bit, but yeah. what I mean is like, like there hasn't really been a Stanley Cup champion and an NBA champion from the same city ever. And I, I don't, no, I can't remember ever. Can't quote really? New York. New York yeah. in '94 came really close. No, well, yeah, they came really close, and of course, Tampa Bay was like, or no, the state of Florida was the same thing, right? But. It's very hard to actually win the Stanley Cup and the NBA title in the same sitting. You know, like not even Boston's been able to do it. Not even New York's been able to do it. Look how many damn teams New York has. Look how many damn teams Los Angeles has. And like not not one single city has been able to do it, been able to win both championships in the same year. And it's like eventually. You you wish that for Toronto. I definitely do because like obviously (laughs) – like, I mean, yes, I, I, I come out and I choose violence on a regular basis. But <laughs> what I would love to say, what I would love to see, at least in this lifetime, is, of course, I would love to see the Leafs and I would love to see the Raptors actually win their respective championships in the same year. Because not only... Man, the- you asking for a lot. No, 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 no. Let, let me break it down. Let me break it down for you like this. Okay? <laughs> Let me break it down for you like this, because, like, obviously, I've grown up a Leafs fan. I've been growing up a Leafs fan since I was, like, what, six, seven years old. I've been a Raptors fan, like, not even two years after that, when the team came into fruition. And one of the biggest things I was dreaming of was literally seeing a Larry O'Brien and a Stanley Cup in the same building in the same year. Obviously, yes, I'm crazy, and yes, I'd probably be, I'd probably be like, smoking, smoking with the Keebler off on maybe on more than one occasion. But still, like... It's one of those things where it's like it really does need to happen. And obviously with the amount of talent that's out there, not only with the Leafs, right? Obviously the Raptors could possibly do uh, do some damage and you know shock the shock the living hell out of the uh, out of the entire basketball world and literally trade for somebody and next thing you know bam, they run it back again. But like <laughs> like I would definitely love to see I would definitely love to see two banners from the same year. Literally in the build, literally in the building. Because honestly, I think I think Leafs fans just want to see a new banner. Period. That's well, no, in, I, I, I get that's, that. in, that's in HD color and Whoa. not in black and white. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, I feel I, you. I feel I, you completely. I, I never thought. I never thought I'd live to see the day the Raptors win a championship. So now that, that now that I've seen it, I, I really, really more than anything else, right now, I want to see the Leafs win a championship. That's oh, really no, no, it. No, no, no. I, I feel. I feel y'all. I definitely feel y'all, and like obviously, I cry I when the Raptors win, and I might cry when the Leafs win. Yo, dog, there'll be American. bear heart attacks. There'll be bear heart attacks in the city when the Leafs actually win. I said might. You're absolutely going to cry, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna call you. First of all, I'm gonna call you. <laughs> yo, dog, so I can dog, I, yo, I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better. If you have Google Duo guy like yo, I will call. I will literally do a video call with you and bawl my eyes out. And, and <laughs> like, yo, that's a that's a promise. That is a yeah, promise. Right. Yeah, bro. Uh, yeah, 
Like the day that shit that happens and to see Wayne Simmons and Kyle Dubis and all those guys lift the Stanley Cup, man, that would be fucking dream country. Honestly, I, I will def- definitely try. Honestly, no. it would be so it would be so funny and, and just so on brand with the least that of of all years, shortened year because of COVID, no fans, that they make a Stanley Cup run. That would be actually right? hilariously on the brand. Be real cool me. Ever. I'm gonna claim it like the Lakers claim a ring for uh, for LeBron, the the Disney title. I'm gonna claim I mean, it too. Yeah, you to absolutely, to you have to no, for real. Jeez, oh man, like yo, we're out here, at, we're all here just having a good time right now. Still, <laughs> no, all right, so. Yeah, I was going to say, we actually do have to take care of some business here really quickly. Um, Of course, I did say that we weren't going to do this near the end of the episode. Sorry, I lied, but um, we are going to pick a name. Uh, We are going to pick a name right now, actually. And, of course, this winner will definitely get themselves a $50 gift card to Adidas. Uh, If you live in the States, we may have to work something out where we can get get it to you in American funds. But we'll go from there. Nah, hell no. Nah. They better they better deal with that conversion in them. <laughs> All right, then. You better take oh. this $39. <laughs> On that note, our winner is, and boys, can I get a drum roll, please, if you can? <laughs> the winner of $50 to Adidas is... If you got this Twitter, and I hope you listening, this is for you. Gareth underscore Patton. Hey. Like to play again? Yo, if you if you run the Twitter at Gareth dot pat uh, underscore Patton, uh, swing us a DM. Because we got you for a $50 Adidas gift card. Uh, thank you all y'all to uh, following us and supporting us. And uh, we love y'all very much. Please make sure you spread the podcast and make sure you spread love the Toronto way. I don't mean the Brooklyn way. I mean the Toronto way. If you can help us get to 100 followers, 100 subscribers, or 100, uh, 100 listeners on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. We will definitely drop another giveaway. Ooh, uh, I wonder what it could be. You never know. You never know. It could be a Leafs. It could be a Leafs jersey. It could be a hockey stick. Or it could Ooh. be a man. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Man can't enter. Oh, no. I lie like yo, like I can't win that thing, bro. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't have a Leaf jersey right now. You know what I'm saying? Like yo, they're kind of expensive. I'm like yo, like them. They're going for like. Damn near three bills, B. Like, yo, you know, yo, like, yo, I need a sick ass. I need a sick ass. I need a sick leaf Two twos. I got two leaf in my closet right now that I can actually give away. Like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Um, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us, hit us up on IG and all of those things. And make sure you spread love. Thanks for listening.